to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Fulick. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fulick. And as always, we like to talk about things related to business continuity, disaster recovery, emergency response, and anything that's relatable to those topics. Again, if there, as I mentioned in every show, if there are any topics you want us to talk about on the show, please feel free to send me an email. There is a button on the Voice America page uh, that says send host uh, an email. I forgot the exact wording. But I do get all the emails and I do respond to all. And we'll see about getting you on the show to talk about your subject. Or we'll see if we can get uh, someone else to come on and talk about your subject. Uh, we do have uh, sponsorship opportunities as well and advertising opportunities. So if you have any questions about that, please feel free. Again, same thing, send me an email and we'll address that. Longtime listeners will know that I have mentioned quite often that I would be attending the Continuity and Resilience Today conference here in Toronto. Well, I am here today. And just like last year, we are interviewing uh, many of the speakers and presenters at that conference. Today is no different. I'd like to welcome to the show Jillian Coyles, who is going to be one of the speakers. Actually, you're a panel member, I, I believe. Yes. Uh, so, Jillian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. And could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, how you got into what you do? Sure. So, I'm currently a senior planner on the Enterprise Crisis and Business Continuity Team at the Canadian Tire Corporation. Um, when people think about Canadian Tire, they often think that we're just the Canadian Tire stores, which isn't incorrect, but the breadth of our organization is a little bit broader. Uh, we have a bank, we have a couple of other companies, as well as some owned companies. So I provide business continuity and crisis management um, services for groups within that organization. And for those uh, who may not have figured it out, Canadian Tire, you're mostly based here in Canada? Yes, so we're definitely a national company. Um, we have our headquarters is at Young and Eglinton in Toronto, um, but we do have a bank uh, in Oakville and then as well as another smaller headquarters in Calgary. But we're definitely a national company um, with stores coast to coast. Oh, Young and Eglinton, yeah. I used to live in that yeah. neighborhood oh, awesome. quite, quite a while ago, so I know where you are yeah. actually. So you're on a panel and you're going to be talking about climate change and mm -hmm. how it impacts organizations, correct? Yes. So why don't we start with something that uh, you kind of mentioned in your presentation, uh, the PowerPoint presentation that you have, and something that a lot of people always seem to get confused. What's the difference between weather and climate? Sure. So um, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not <laughs> going to go into the climate aspect really too deep. Um, but one of the things, if you've read my presentation or if you had a chance to see it, I'm really focusing on the weather as an outcome of climate change. So um, weather disruptions are what organizations are going to face most likely um, due to climate change. So those are the impacts and the aspects that business continuity and risk professionals will really have um, to deal with and grapple with. So I can't answer your question fully, um, but oh, that's okay. really uh, weather is what we're going to be experiencing most as an outcome of the change in climate. Correct me if I'm wrong, you know, if, for those that have been in the industry a long time, shouldn't we have always been considering some of that you know, through our risk assessments if we've done them, you know, yep. storms and floods and you know, lightning strikes and things like that? Shouldn't we have already been thinking yes. along those lines? Definitely. Um, I think, well, if you are in, if you do something called the HIRA, so Hazard Identification Risk Assessment, that's really hazard and, and weather based. Um, not all businesses include a, a hazard aspect to their risk assessment, mm -hmm. um, but generally extreme weather is what we will see um, in what we plan for in business continuity and crisis management. I think climate change in the future is going to bring us more intense storms, 
more severe storms, um, more widespread emergencies due to these storms. So there's just a little bit more, um, there are a, a little bit more intensity involved in how we should plan for them going forward. But you're absolutely right in saying that um, we should and have been planning for extreme weather in the past. It's just, it'll bring us new um, and more intense stuff going forward. I guess what's happening, we, we had maybe on some level done a risk assessment, mm -hmm. but now that climate change has become more um, uh, well-known and it's being documented, yeah. we're seeing it on TV, and we're seeing all the situations occurring, the impacts are really there for us to see now. Yes. Where it's not hypothetical if we have a, a flood. We're yeah. here in Toronto, and we know that yeah. Toronto <laughs> yeah. Island is, you know, Second year. It's kind of sinking, yeah. you know, yeah. at least it feels like it. Definitely. And I think um, when people talk about climate change as a future thing, I think that's inaccurate. I think climate change is what we're experiencing now. Our climate has changed and we are experiencing more severe and widespread emergencies. Um, another point about uh, climate and weather and how it's changing based on what we've done previously is I think we're experiencing things that we haven't experienced before. So this is just an example. We in Toronto, and I'm sure you felt it, we are experiencing wind at a level in which we haven't experienced wind before. Mm -hmm. And so now all of a sudden wind, we're starting to report on it at Canadian Tire, wind storms, whereas for the last couple of years we didn't send out reports for wind storms. Um, so these are just new, new things that we might experience due to climate change. It's interesting you mentioned wind because I live an hour west of Toronto yeah. and in the last windstorm that we had out that way, mm -hmm. I had to go looking for one of my patio yeah. chairs yeah. because it went over the balcony. So you now know. imagine <clears throat> living in downtown Toronto when we have huge glass skyscrapers about 10 feet from each other and patio furniture starts to whip around between the two and then it, they're all glass and the glass can break and so... Um, it's uh, definitely something that we we have to consider as a city and then as a country going forward, wind. <laughs> yeah, something we yeah. hadn't thought of before, even mm -hmm. though we were experiencing it every day, but now we're seeing yeah. that it's intensified. Yes. And so have, and the impacts have now become tangible. Yes, exactly. So how, how do um, you recommend practitioners understand that? It's one thing to say, okay, yeah, we have a hazard of risk. How do we really incorporate that into what we're doing? Mm -hmm. And I know you kind of touch yeah. on some of that in, in your uh, case study here, really, for Canadian Tire. Yeah. So as, as a, let's say I was a new practitioner. Mm -hmm. How do I really understand, yeah, we have a wind, we'll stay on that one. Mm -hmm. We have a wind risk. What do I do about it? <laughs> you know, how do I really understand what that means? So I think, um, so I do go into how we can do that within my presentation. I won't do the whole thing right now, right. Um, just for the sake of time. But if you follow along with the business continuity life cycle, you can add climate change adaptation into each step. Um, so if we if we've realized through our risk assessment that wind is something that we need to consider as an organization. Then in the next step, which might be the business impact analysis, we can ask targeted questions with our business processes about wind or how would wind or other hazards affect their business processes. And then through that, we start to create strategies that have to do with um, wind and mitigating the impact of wind and then putting that those into the plan. Again, if you think wind is something that has will seriously impact your processes. And then finally, and I think this is a really important part, um, is in the exercises. So if you are taking part in a tabletop exercise after creating the business continuity plan, and you know, again, that wind is um, something that's risky, uh, you can do a scenario that has to do with wind. So therefore the business is starting to get an idea, okay, so this is something that could impact us, let's talk through it. And so then um, you've really done a fulsome job through through the biz, um, business impact, sorry, business continuity life cycle of including one of your most risky hazards, which would be wind. Have you found that uh, some of the people that are responding to these you, the risk assessments or the BIAs, mm -hmm. are they really understanding the climate risks? Because Wind, uh, we'll, we'll stay on wind as mm -hmm. a subject, yeah. but I mean, it's only one <laughs> yeah. you know, of many, of course. It's external to my business process. Mm -hmm. You know, my business process, I'm inside, you know, four walls or cubicle, whatever, yeah. you know, receive files, send files, you know, it, wind, yeah, right, <laughs> type thing, right? Yeah. So how, how do you suggest and how, how is that mindset changing 
at Canadian Tire. What, what have you done there so that people really understand that? Well, firstly, I, I actually think that um, weather events and hazards are one of the ways in which we can ground people to start thinking using a risk lens. If you just start talking about business continuity, their eyes kind of start glazing <laughs> over. Yeah. Um, but if you say something, wind is a really hard one. I should have picked flooding. <laughs> so if we if we uh, if we start talking about okay, so what happens if if the basement of this building starts flooding and due to rainfall over land and we can't get into the building and then the then the the light starts turning on there and they start to understand why it's important to have a business continuity plan and so i really think that you can use um extreme weather events as you said they're tangible people are experiencing they're experiencing them at home they're going to start experiencing them in their business to really start to get people to think about and contingency planning and the importance of business continuity because it's all about buy-in especially from the business so the, some of the uh, current events like we've mm -hmm. got here in Ontario and Quebec and um, yeah. you know, fires in other places of the country that's actually helping you know it's terrible to say but it's helping bring the awareness you know I'm not yeah. trying to downplay the yeah. impacts of these situations but it's helping raise the awareness of these situations yeah. for those that may not have considered it before. Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's a saying that says never miss a good um, opportunity uh, after an event or never miss a yeah, opportunity never in miss, crisis or something like that. Yeah, a good like opportunity yeah, in crisis, yeah. which I definitely think is true. There's always a window after a big event that people start, oh, wait, this is this is something that we need to start considering or, oh, wait, this is important. I know we, um, we definitely have uh, experienced some sh shutdowns of our stores because of some wildfires. So then uh, senior management starts to get an idea, okay, well, if this is impacting our bottom line, we cannot sell products if our stores are not open, and you could go online, but most people at Canadian Tire are gonna go into the store. Okay, so how do we start being better prepared for wildfires and how can we shut down the store appropriately so that it, we can get it back up and running um, quickly? Does that help identify, you know, uh, I know you mentioned you've shut down other stores, so I'll say one of the stores in northern Ont um, northern Alberta, because they've got fires right now, yep. if one of those stores were shut down, does that help leadership understand going, does that risk exist anywhere else, you know, in all mm -hmm. of our other stores across the country? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think being a national organization um, is something that is really unique um, in in this field, we generally I, my previous experience is through the province of Ontario. So you really are just focused on province of Ontario issues, whereas at Canadian Tire we're national. So we're starting to deal with um, forest fires in BC and Alberta. What what would happen if there was an earthquake um, in BC? So really coast to coast. Um, and we have what's called district, district support managers for our stores. And I definitely think that each one of those is really focused on their area. But um, filtering up to the top, uh, if, we, if enough stores are shutting down, then some people are going to hear about it and um, we're going to be busy. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> so do you take lessons learned from situations? Like yeah. using the one, uh, the example where you said you had a store mm -hmm. shut down because of um, you know a wildfire, mm -hmm. do you take the lessons, good and bad, yes, and take that to you know the rest of the country? Yep. You know, like can you do the same things that went well here? You know, mm -hmm. are you would you plan on doing this that didn't work there? You know, and, and take those lessons learned and try to you know uh, enhance everybody else's mm -hmm. you know regional responses. So the one thing I do want to bring up before I get into the answer of that question, which is mm -hmm. a good question, is that Canadian Tire, for a Canadian Tire retail banner, is quite unique in the sense that a lot of them are franchised. A lot of the Canadian Tires are franchised. They're um, dealers. They're dealer-owned. So mm, that's what we okay. call franchisees. Um, and they have a lot of autonomy within the company. Um, so there, and these are people that are uh, at the ground level. They own a Canadian Tire store. They know their communities. So as a corporate um team we don't have a ton of oversight over store actions but we do we can work with our dealers and have get the dealers to be engaged in this area and they often are because again they they live in those communities and they know what um, those community members are going to experience in a in a bad weather event um, so 
I we do attempt to take lessons learned and best practices to our store shutdowns. So in uh, Williams Lake, I believe it was two summers ago now, we did mm. have to shut down a couple Fires, stores yeah. um, because of the wildfires. And we learned through that experience that if ash gets into our stores uh, and our, a lot of our product is permeable, we then cannot sell that product. Uh, so we had to send a lot of the product to the labs and make sure, um, get an idea of what we could and couldn't sell. Mm -hmm. So that's an example of things we've learned. So now we know and we can ask dealers to shut off their HVAC um, and fans before leaving if, it, if the community is evacuated. Um, so things like that, we do try and spread um, as best practice. But again, the dealers are the ones at the ground level and they're going to, they have autonomy over their stores. Um, is there opportunity for the opposite to work? If by chance um, you haven't had a chance to talk to somebody in one region uh, mm -hmm. you know, or one franchisee, is there an opportunity where they've experienced something that they can funnel up to you saying, hey, look at what we learned? Definitely, definitely. And um, one of the ways that we're trying to partner with uh, our dealers and some of the supply chain teams that support our dealers through product flow is getting uh, what's called a disaster skew list. So skew is a product, S-K-U. Um, and it was like the old, my old days in restaurants where we <laughs> called it PLU, price yeah. lookup. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, we're trying to work with uh, the dealer and provide them with a list of products that might be helpful to the community should something occur, should a weather event occur. So these are oh. lists by hazard. Um, so they know at the community level what they're going to experience. I'm not in high level Alberta. I don't know how many fires they get each year or how much snow they get each year, but the dealer does. So the dealer can get this list and he can say, okay, here's a snow list. Here's products that I might, I should buy so I can sell in my stores. And then, um, uh, he'll buy that from the corporation. So, so like more uh, using winter as the example, more snow uh, snow shovels or yeah. snow blowers or something so, along that way. You know, yeah. Related. So these are products that would be helpful to the community going through emergencies, um, and the dealer has the option to put in an emergency order. So that just means that uh, the corporation will um, waive a, some of the shipping costs to go to the dealer. Again, we have to play with this dealer model. We're right. trying to find, we can't pre-position product um, because of this dealer model. So we're trying to find ways to work with the dealers and vice versa so that we can help best um, support Canadian communities going through extreme weather. So a, a way of that kind of helps with, um you know, before a disaster is declared or occurs, mm -hmm. you know, but you've got a warning, you know, yeah. to your point, you know, it's not everything is hunky-dory yeah. and, you know, <laughs> we're going to order a bunch of snow mm -hmm. shovels in August. No, you know, we, we know the weather is calling for a massive storm yeah. on December 1st or something. And uh, a few days before, the franchisee um, with the communication with head office can say, you know what, this is coming we need a little bit of extra this and then the head office can work to get that what they request snow blowers or shovels mm -hmm. or whatever the case may be there earlier so to help the the community right absolutely um that's very accurate um and the point being that the dealer has to be the one to to say we need these products so on our team, we've worked with our um, supply chain teams to put the list of products together, but the dealer has to be the one that says, okay, I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to buy because they have to buy. From, right. It's like a, it's a transaction. They have to yeah. buy from us so that they can sell it themselves. Yeah. Um, so they have to buy from corporate the product and then, um, then they can sell it to the community. Yeah. Okay, on that, we've come to the end of our first segment. We're talking today with Jillian Coyles from the CRT Conference here in Toronto. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest... 
show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you ready for a broad look at everything to do with the world of sports? If so, tune in to the Mike Abadir Show. It's a unique perspective to the connections between sports and business. Host Mike Abadir has negotiated numerous deals in the NFL. Along with co-host Gino Bacola, Mike will bring his expertise, discussion, and some terrific guests to the airwaves. Listen live for the Mike Abadir Show every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected and welcome back. We are talking from the CRT, conversa- uh, CRT conference here in Toronto with Gillian Coyles. Uh, Gillian, uh, thanks a lot for the information in segment one. I was wondering if we could continue a little bit more on a few things you touched on, um, some internal initiatives uh, with the BCM lifecycle. You did touch on the, you know, the risk assessments that should be done, um, the business impact analyses, and I'm wondering if you could kind of give us a little bit of inf- information on what uh, is happening with regards to you know selecting the right strategy, you know, how do you mm-hmm. develop these plans, mm-hmm. uh, and I know you hinted at some training and uh, testing, but could you elaborate on those three? Sure. So um, strategy selection is generally figuring out response, recovery, and resumption strategies for to, to document within your business continuity plan, as well as finding some gap analysis out of the BIA. Um, and then I want to... Could you clarify sorry. what you mean by gap analysis? <laughs> yeah. So if you see that in the BIA, uh, that the business unit requires an application to be back up and running in four hours, but your IT disaster recovery team only has the capability to have it back up and running in 24 hours, that's a gap. That never happens. I <laughs> yeah. never hear about that. <laughs> so yeah, so a lot of, you know, uh, there's generally a lot of gaps on the IT side or the vendor side um, of your BIA. So that's generally in the strategy selection, you're trying to either mitigate those gaps or um, information share with the correct groups um, to make sure that all all groups are aware of the gaps and maybe sign off on the risk if no one's willing to put forth the resources to, to fill that gap. Um, but so in the strategy selection, so we at Canadian Tire, we do response recovery and resumption strategies within our business continuity plan. Um, I want to tack on a fourth in, for climate change adaptation, and that's an adaptation strategy. So generally, when you're having conversations with a business, you might, especially if you're talking in climate about climate in your BIA, you might find that there are adapt- adaptation strategies that you've um, discovered. So that could be retrofitting a building or even moving mm. a business process to another building. These generally have longer term um, timeframes than normal business continuity strategies and the decision making might sit outside of the business continuity team. I think that's fine. I think if you are uh, discovering and talking with the business and finding these adaptation strategies, then you can information share and um, uh, and share this information with people who have the ability to act on it. Would that be the franchisees or would that be you know, your top team? Well, it depends on what business process you're talking about. 
So in my, um, it, we're, we're a corporate level team. So we're generally dealing with um, business processes at the corporate. So within mm -hmm. my portfolio, I have supply chain, IT and e-commerce. So if I'm talking to supply chain teams, then that's a that's a corporate initiative. Um, so that's held within the corporation. So those, so senior leadership on supply chain, maybe some real estate, maybe some um, sustainability, uh, those people might be able to help act on adaptation strategies. For awareness on that kind of strategy, would that information be um, uh, shared with franchisees? Because if, if I was a franchisee, mm -hmm. um, you're my supply chain, right? I'm yeah. buying from you. Would you share with me information that, you know, hey, if there's a problem and I can't get stuff from you, you know, I, you, you have to make me comfortable, I guess, to, to some point to know that you've got something in place, right? Yeah, um, there's definitely a lot of communication and information sharing that's going on between the dealers and corporate. Mm -hmm. I think it happens a number of different places in a number of different ways. Um, we There are teams whose sole responsibility at corporate is to speak with the dealers, but we also have within our portfolio, within our um, organization, corporately owned stores. So a lot of sport check are corporately owned, atmosphere, national sports, all those things. So corporate has the ability to act on those, um, what's ha happening at that store level for those stores. So how about, um, that's the strategy mm -hmm. and the, the plan development. Now, how do you validate all of that? So uh, validating it, you can you should put it all in a business continuity plan. Um, so this is just a combination of your previous work in the strategy selection. So making sure that you're including um, you're including within it more widespread events as well as longer time frames, maybe some more severity in the weather, um, and then you can work with your business to create a a, whole, a fulsome BCP and then exercise that that business continuity plan. Okay, the, <laughs> yeah. the big the big question. Yeah. How do you exercise oh. those big plans? Yeah. Because you you mentioned you know you've got the corporate level. Mm -hmm. You just went through a list of some of the um, uh, companies that are a part of the overall Canadian Tire yeah. organization, and you've got the franchisees, mm -hmm. and you're all across the country. Yeah. <laughs> so how do That's you validate question. all those different different levels? Yeah, so each of our planners on the team have a different portfolio. Uh, we have done the exercise to dis to determine critical versus non-critical business units. So we've decided that our critical business units will be exercised once a year, along with a refresh of the business continuity life cycle. So what I just went through. Um, and generally these will look like tabletops. And we do teleconference people in, because you're right, there are a lot of people in Calgary. Um, or Oakville, or Welland, where our call center is, um, or Brampton, <laughs> or Supply Chain, we're really uh, everywhere, Laval. Um, yeah, you so see the, the red uh, inverted triangle everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah so we generally do tabletop exercises. Um, there's one that uh, I will be doing um, soon, hopefully, is a kind of a supply chain-wide tabletop exercise. So what does it look like to, sh to systematically shut down a distribution center? So that will have a lot of players around the table and it'll take a lot of coordination, um, but I, I think it'll, it'll be good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fingers crossed, right? Yeah. <laughs> so if you've held that test, let's use the one that's coming up. Mm -hmm. You've had that uh, test or exercise, whichever terminology yeah. people prefer. What do you do afterwards? You know, you, right. you may, you've sat around the table in the boardroom, chatted. on the phone, chatted, yeah. <laughs> gone through your scenario yeah. and identified things that went well, things that didn't go well or new things or things that are no longer applicable because that's even yeah. possible as well. Definitely. You know, and with existing things that are happening, you could have a scenario developed for your test, but someone may turn around and say, well, this is what's happening next door to us already. So we should consider this. What do you do with all that information that comes out of the yeah, exercise? That's a good question. So we will create after action reports. Um, first, we solicit feedback from those people around the table in the form of kind of a survey. 
And then uh, we take that feedback, we create an after action report, which will have areas of opportunity. So uh, these areas of opportunity are generally assigned to the business and or assigned to us if it has to do with one of our core capabilities as crisis management or business continuity. Mm. And then we will put a timeline on ensuring that this um, area of opportunity is, is handled um, or uh, fixed. Um, and then we will check back in with the business after that after that timeline has elapsed as well we generally it's definitely as i'm sure your listeners know if you find gaps or issues within your exercises that's not a bad thing we want to find yeah we want to find um issues or gaps during this because it's really testing it and it's practice Um, and so if when we do find these gaps we will address them in um, the business continuity plan right after so that we're making we're not forgetting we're making sure that all that information is going back into the plan if necessary I, I like to look I agree with your your point you know finding gaps is a good thing mm-hmm. you know as far as I'm concerned you can never ever fail yeah you know a, a proper <laughs> test even yeah. if you can't get your systems up and running mm-hmm. that's good because you found something that has stopped you yeah and you would rather find that in a test than in exactly. the real situation right yeah so do you follow up with these you mentioned you know um, these gaps that you find in the report but do you kind of nag, you know, if you've assigned it it to Bob or Jane, you know, six months later, hey, have you done this? And do you do a revalidation? Like, do you add that to your next tabletop walkthrough to make sure it's been addressed? Yeah, so one thing that we really want to make sure on our team is that we're playing a governance role. So Mm -hmm. the the, um, responsibility lies with the business to to act on a lot of the gaps um, and to ensure that they're prepared. We are there for support. We are there to walk them through the business continuity life cycle. But the business, they're the experts. They're the ones that know their processes backwards mm-hmm. and forwards. I can't tell supply chain how to do their job. Right. So we're really relying on the business to be a player at the table. Um, so yes, I will follow up with the business um, to see whether they've put into place some of the suggestions or recommendations. But I can't do anything if they aren't willing to to play ball um but i generally because strong strong arming them won't get get anywhere (laughs) yeah and uh we do follow with our critical units we do follow the yearly refresh cycle so so we're there throughout the year going through validating their bia making sure the strategies are still accurate and validating it through exercises etc etc so Yes, there's definitely opportunities to um, to put into place uh, some of the learnings out of the exercises. Now, you got me thinking of a couple of things here. Yeah. <laughs> you mentioned earlier, you know, the, the gap found mm-hmm. in BIAs, you know, a four-hour recovery yeah. to a 24-hour recovery. Yeah. You know, business who um, can't tell them what to do in their, their, you know, yeah. in their own operations, which is, which is correct. You yeah. know, I completely agree with you. How do you get, do you have any suggestions on how you get non-IT units talking to IT units Mm. and IT units talking to non-IT units? Because in many organizations, excuse me, they're in two separate silos. Yeah. So do you have suggestions on how those two should talk to each other? Yeah, um, I have two. So the first one being... um, on the business continuity team, we do a lot of sharing of our BIA data. So when we complete a BIA, we put it into a master repository so that we can sort and filter based on data points. And then we will um, share that information because it's really primary research with the business that other shared services team, like the IT teams, find very valuable. Vendor management, sustainability, IT teams, this is all info that they want. And we don't want every single team going after the business for the same info. Right. So so we can kind of broker the relationship between the business and IT to share we to share this information. We do share, we ask in our business impact analysis for critical applications as well as um, the business MTO. So how long can the business go without uh, this application before it really right. starts to get hairy? So maximum tolerable outage is being at the MTO. 
And then we provide that to our DR team and then they can say, okay, so the business needs it back up and running in four hours. We can only do 24 hours. And then we found a gap. So we need to work together to address this gap. So that's the first. Usually ends up uh, IT saying, give me more money. (laughs) Yes, exactly. And then if that's the case, which you're right, it normally is, somebody needs to sign off on that. So um, we went through the exercise last year of um, senior vice presidents of each unit having to sign off on their um, IT gaps. So if they don't want to provide the money, again, we can't force the business to do much. They're going to have to sign off on the risk. We've done our due diligence. IT's done their due diligence. Um, It needs to be signed off upon. That's a key point. I'm glad you brought that up because that question crops up a lot. Yeah. Now, your your second? (laughs) My second is um, business validation in IT exercises. So ensuring that um, the business, so going one step further in disaster recovery exercises, making sure the business or the IT super users on the business are, are eyeballing that the application has come back up and running after disaster recovery um, test. So it's one thing to bring up an application. It's another thing to bring up an application and have the business be able to use it immediately. So mm-hmm. the business, in some cases, might have to take 24 hours to figure out whether the application is even functioning properly. Right. Um, I know I did, I talked about this with one of my supply chain units. 24 hours to send electronic data from them, from corporate, to the vendor to make sure that it went through purposefully, properly, and it we're working from end to end. So having the business involved in DR tests is a really good idea. I agree completely. Mm-hmm. You know, otherwise you're doing everything in isolation. Yeah. And <clears throat> what happens then is you've got assumptions being put on every side. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that gets proved uh, correct when the disaster happens is that all your assumptions are wrong. Yeah. 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 And the first thing to um, crap out is communication. Yeah. So ensuring that they can at least communicate with each other. <laughs> I think that's a good uh, spot because we're going to touch on that Great. on the, the next segment. We've come to the end of our second segment. We're talking today with Julian Coyles from the CRT conference here in Toronto. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com All round the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus. Creating Achilles' shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson in The Sea Around Us said, All at last, return to the sea. To Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullen. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to the show for our last segment. Today, we are talking with Julian Coyles from the CRT conference here in Toronto. 
Jillian, at the end of our second segment, you started to mention communications. Can you elaborate on that, like internal communications, external mm-hmm. communications, and you know, how do you how do you deal with all of that, especially in today's world with social media? <laughs> sure. Um, first of all, I want to say that organizational resilience is not something that can be done by one team, nor is it something that can be done by a number of different teams working in silos. So really, we need an enterprise-wide approach to tackle climate change. Um, so communicating with the teams, understanding who's out there, understanding what role they have to play in the sandbox uh, is really important. And then if something does happen in a crisis situation, um, having our communication staff, so experts in communication within the crisis management structure is incredibly important. So we have a flexible crisis management structure. We can um, increase the number um, and diversity of people on the the crisis team based on the incident, but the one people who will, one group of people who will always be there is communications. Yeah. Because we, they need to communicate internally to employees and they need to communicate externally to customers and they need to communicate to the store level to our dealers. So having a good relationship um, with the communications team is incredibly important. And the details in communication you give to um, franchisees or the store level may be different than what you yeah. will tell people at, um, let's say, at executive senior levels, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and really they're the experts at, at, um, at putting together the communications. I always look at our role in crisis management as being the quarterback. I'm going to throw the ball to my wide receiver and they're going to take it over the the end line. So um, I'm going to rely on my communications team to do what they do best, which is to communicate. It, it kind of comes back to with all those different groups, you know, understanding all your stakeholders, right? Yes. You know, the, yeah. the project management, you know, 101, mm-hmm. understand your all your stakeholders, you know, yeah. and who's involved with what you do. Well, and I first, when I first started at Canadian Tire, um, I came from the province, from the Ministry of Energy. Um, so more emergency management focused. And then when I came to the entire, I was looking at our crisis management structure and there is the head of marketing is in our crisis management structure. And I'm kind of like, well, what does marketing have to do with incident response? But at a corporation where brand is king, marketing mm-hmm. is incredibly important for, for crisis response. So it's really... Um, it's knowing who's at the table, knowing what role they play, and giving them the opportunity to make decisions because um, they're the ones that really are going to know how to drive the response. And they're, you know, marketing, they're going to understand a lot of the um, nuances of, uh, I don't want to say legalese, but um, you know, what to really communicate to some groups. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't just say XYZ, this happened, you yeah. know, leave it at that when half of your stakeholders are like, well, what does that mean? You know, and freak out and marketing can tailor it, you know, help tailor with the communications team. And one of the things that I think uh, people don't either understand or have a good grasp of if they work for the government is brand. So corporations rely on their brand. Mm -hmm. If our brand um, isn't sitting well with community members, they're not going to buy product from us. Therefore, we're, go- we're not going to exist. So we need to protect our brand and our reputation as much as possible. So how do you, are they involved with tests? And how do you involve them in, in some of these uh, tests that you do? Yeah, so we would uh, involve the communications team in a lot of our uh, tests at a high level. So we have a bank at Canadian Tire. Um, if we do the, when we do the bank, the test for the bank, communications team is always there. Um, so this is a senior leadership test. Um, so yeah, we will always um, rely on communications. HR will be in the room. All those key players. They all have a, a you know, they all, I assume you develop the basic roles and responsibilities ahead of time. And you mentioned the word flexibility uh, in crisis management teams. Mm-hmm. They're empowered, they know their role and responsibility, yeah. but they also have the flexibility to adapt to the situation. Is that yeah. how Yeah, I would agree with that. And we also, a part of our responsibility is also 
um, ensuring that they understand what their role is during a crisis. So we, when we ask someone, an individual, to be part of our crisis management team, we're, we're ensuring that we're training them. We're providing them with a crisis management guide. So really, they're doing their job, but kind of on steroids. <laughs> so, so just making sure that they're able to um, do their responsibilities uh, during a crisis. Now, you mentioned uh, some of the external initiatives. I know you've touched mm -hmm. on some of them working with communities. How do you work with community support? Now, I know you kind of touched on it um, with um, franchisees ordering mm -hmm. things like yeah. that. Do you do anything above and beyond that to work with communities? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, on my team at Canadian Tire, we've established a community support program. Uh, this was put in place to take part in both organizational resilience and community resilience. Um, taking part in community resilience really has a cascading effect on business operations. The quicker a community can get back up on its feet, the quicker business operations and customer buying behavior can normalize. Um, so what we've put in place here uh, is twofold. So the first is product donations. So we're a national retailer that has a lot of products that would be helpful to community members going through emergencies. So we will work with philanthropic and government organizations to provide a product to communities um, going through adverse weather. So this looks like, if we're talking flooding, this looks like hip, hip waders, sandbags. We donate a lot of um, bottles of water if their water supply is tainted through flooding. Um, and we try and work with as many community groups as possible. Canadian Tire has been really active in this space um, because we are such um, a Canadian company. We want to be a responsible member of Canadian communities. And then the second part is a point of sale donation and corporate donations. So when the Canadian Red Cross opens an appeal, uh, that means that they're collecting money for an, a response and relief efforts in a Canadian community. We will uh, do what's called a POS donation. So working with our retail partners um, to set up at the point of sale, so at the checkout, that means that the staff member or teller can ask you whether you want to donate to the Canadian Red Cross. Oh, so that's yeah. why they do it. So yeah. th there is actually something going on, a need. It's Definitely. Not, it's not just, oh, let's just pick a charity no, no. or something today. And So we, uh, at Canadian Tire, we, uh, we have our own charity so called Jumpstart. So we, we really oh, want yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, customers to be involved in Jumpstart. It's really great. It's about getting kids in, involved in sports. But then we've also done an informal partnership with the Canadian Red Cross for this community support program. So we work with them basically to ensure that we're raising funds and all these funds go back into the community. Um, so in 2018, we raised approximately $175,000 for a number of different uh, issues and events in mm -hmm. Canadian communities and then we also pledged as a corporation $100,000 for the Ottawa Gatineau uh, Tornado Relief Fund. So those are two ways in which we've positioned Canadian Tire um, to help communities in the face of climate change. Well, I guess that kind of also ties back with you know, protecting your brand too, would it? Definitely. You know, I, I, yeah. I don't want to say that that's the reason you're doing it because that's that's not. You know, I, I know you're not saying that at all, um, but it helps with brand, right? Definitely. To your earlier points. And especially if we're seeing, as we are, uh, people are, are positioning their buying power to socially responsible brands. People mm -hmm. want to purchase from socially responsible companies, companies right. who are doing good in the world. Um, and we, Canadian Tire has the old crappy tire feel <laughs> to it, um, but really uh, we are a responsible member and we are truly Canadian. Canadian, um, the Canadian lifestyle is something that we um, really treasure at Canadian Tire and so we want to support Canadian communities. Dare I say you're a Canadian icon? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, I've known of Canadian Tire since uh, you know I came to Canada as a little kid. Yeah. You know, I've always known Canadian Tire. They've always yeah. been there. So it's good to hear the, how, mm -hmm. how much they're involved. Mm -hmm. um, we only have uh, about three minutes left. Uh, do you have any closing comments uh, about Canadian Tire and mm -hmm. you know and your and the climate change um, sure. initiatives that you've got? Yeah, so I think my closing um, comments about climate change is that 
Um, really, organizational resilience is how we're going to tackle climate change. Climate change is going to affect organizations in a million different ways, ways in which you won't see in a million different areas. So really enterprise-wide, cross-functional, organizational resilience strategies that are holistic is how we're gonna um, tackle climate change. And then also, I we just touched on it, I think the linkages between organizations and community are strong, and they're stronger than people believe. Um, one, does not exist without the other. So supporting Canadian communities and also being around to support Canadians uh, in the face of climate change, in the face of adverse weather is really important. Well, you've, you've touched on a couple of things there. You, you mentioned that resiliency won't come about you know, by one person mm -hmm. or one team. Yeah. And it seems like it's a, a multiple you yes. know, uh, groups and individuals that have to work together to yes. get there. Yes, I think I've brought up about five different sports analogies in this interview. <laughs> I'm going to do one more. It's really a team sport. Like it's, um, it, you need to work with people. You need to collaborate. You need to information share, uh, both internally and with public-private partnerships. Yeah, and it's not uh, you know a, a quick quick fix. It certainly yeah. doesn't sound like a quick fix. No, no, no. Climate change is a long-term and dynamic problem. And business continuity, we generally do with the shorter time scales, so the 4, 24, 72 hours. Right. But if we can stretch our planning horizons, if we can be part of a holistic enterprise-wide strategy, then I think we um, can really make a difference. One last question. With the, the Enterprise Business Continuity uh, Group, you work with other um, units, whether mm -hmm. they be business or IT, within the organization, like health and safety, information security, yeah. do, to to help, you know, bring all that together. Do you work with those? Mm -hmm. So I would be remiss if I didn't talk about how much collaboration within our internal partners, especially our supply chain team, teams that um, those communities, that community support program requires. Um, our supply chain teams are the ones that, that put everything, all the product together and then send it out to the places in need. So we're really just um, brokering relationships there. Um, it's, and then, then I think I touched on it earlier, uh, our, a one way that the business continuity team can really spearhead these conversations about climate change is through our BAA data. If we've added climate questions and looking at internal factors within our BIA interviews, then we can share this data. Um, obviously, it needs to be cleaned and it needs to be put shared properly. Um, but that that is one way in which we business continuity teams can really be a driving force in the conversation about climate change. Well, that's great. We've come to the end of our uh, show. Uh, thank you very much, Jillian, for joining us thank and you. talking about Canadian Tire and what you're doing there and all your thoughts. Um, really appreciate your time. Uh, we've. Again, if there are any topics you'd like us to talk about on the show, please feel free to send me an email. And uh, in the meantime, everybody, stay prepared. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.